My God, if you know you're going higher tonight, you ought to give God a shout of praise in this place. I dare anybody in the building tonight uh, that has a testimony uh, that the best is yet to come. Uh, I dare you to take about 30 seconds uh, and just let every devil in hell know uh, you ain't seen uh, nothing yet. Uh, if you think God's been good to me now, uh, just wait till you see where I'm headed. Wait till you see where I'm going. Uh, I'm going higher. Uh, I just need about 200 radical people in the building uh, that believe that nothing is impossible with God. Hey! Uh, I know it's Tuesday after Easter Sunday, uh, but somebody ought to take a moment right here uh, and just give God a praise uh, because he's taking you uh, higher. Uh, my God, my God. Somebody ought to just declare it right now. I may look a little low, but I'm going higher. I might look like I'm struggling, but I'm going higher. Don't judge me now, because I'm going higher. Don't count me out now, because I'm going. One writer said, we're persecuted, but not forsaken. I'm cast down, somebody shout down, but I'm not destroyed. You know what that means? That I might be down, but as long as there's breath in my body, baby, I got some getting up strength in me. You might have walked in this building feeling down tonight, but I feel some getting up strength. One more time, somebody just shout, I'm going higher. Come on, take about 60 seconds. Take about 60 seconds and give God your best praise in this place. Give him a high praise in this building. The Bible said, let the high praise of God be in there. Hold on a second. See, I'm glad for all of y'all that know how to clap. The Bible says to clap your hands, all your people. And I'm glad that you know how to dance. Because the Bible says to praise him in the timbrel and the dance. But how many of you understand that the Bible says that the sacrifice of praise is the fruit of your lips? Turn to your neighbor, tell him, neighbor, 
tell them God wants to hear your voice. So I don't mind if you clap your hands. I don't mind if you dance. But while you're clapping your hands, somebody ought to shout unto God with a, with a, with a, with a voice of triumph. Let the high praise of God be in there. Come on, the high praise is in your mouth. The high praise is in your shout. for him tonight I didn't bring him a low praise I didn't bring him a medium praise baby I just worked eight hours for my employer and I sure enough ain't gonna come to the house of God and give him less than I gave my job today you must be out of your mind I sure enough if you think I came to church to relax, you're mistaken, baby. If you think I came to church to sit back and catch my breath, baby, I'm going to shout twice as hard tonight. I'm going to shout twice as long tonight because he's worthy of all my praise. Tuesday, but somebody ought to send up Judah. I know it's Tuesday, but somebody ought to send up Judah. Oh, yeah. Woo! Clap your hands one more time and give God a praise. Woo! My, 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 it's explosive in this place tonight. Nobody light a match. This place liable to go up in flames tonight. Anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord on a Tuesday night? Does anybody got the joy of the Lord in your spirit tonight? High five about eight people on the way to your seat and tell them the joy of the Lord is your strength. Come on, tell them the joy of the Lord is your strength. Why do you think the enemy is steady trying to rob you of your joy? Why do you think the enemy is steady after the joy that's in your life? Wants you to be discouraged. Uh, wants you to be depressed. Uh, wants you to be distracted. Uh, wants you to live a life of doubt and discouragement. Why? Because he understands the joy uh, of the Lord is where you're strong at tonight. You ought to flex one more time on the enemy uh, and let him know I got the joy of the Lord. Uh, I've got the joy of the Lord. If we had time tonight, we just turn the whole church into a choir. We start singing joy, joy. 
Oh, great joy. Said these babies don't even know how to play a song. Joy, joy. Down in my soul, sweet. A few of y'all know it. Soul saving. Oh, joy. If you got the joy of the Lord, clap your hands and give him praise one more time tonight. <laughs> Whoa, you can be seated. Amen. What an incredible presence of the Lord is already here in this house this evening. Amen, somebody. I want to say uh, again what a privilege it is to have all of our guests that are in the house of the Lord with us. Will you help me one more time, church? Let me borrow your hands and your voice and make all of our guests feel welcomed in this place tonight. Amen. Amen. It is indeed our privilege to have you in the house of the Lord with us tonight. How many of you were absolutely blown away and blessed by what happened in this sanctuary on, on Resurrection Sunday? Come on. Do you still feel the overflow of God's presence in this place? Amen. I'm just telling you, uh, God did uh, things that were simply eternity will be able to tell what happened in this place on Sunday, and uh, we're so grateful. As um, Brother Leo mentioned, uh, Sunday we absolutely smashed an all-time uh, attendance record for Resurrection Sunday in this place. I think we ought to give God a praise for that. Somebody said, why are you worried about how many people were in church? Because Jesus was worried about it. If you read your Bible... <laughs> you will find him telling the people to go to the highways and the byways. He said, compel them to come. Tell them to get here. And then he even says, why? He says, that my house may be full. How many of you know God wants his house full? I can't get no help in this Holy Ghost church. God doesn't like empty pews. I said, God doesn't like empty seats, empty pews, empty. Come on, somebody. I just need about 20 radical people in the building tonight. Turn and tell your neighbor, God doesn't like empty pews. And so we're thankful for what the Lord uh, did when, when, when they finished ministering on Sunday. This place was flooded with hundreds of people praying in this church, I don't know how many received the Holy Ghost in the altars, but when we were finished, we baptized. I think DeAndre was one of them. We got baptized in Jesus' name. Received the Holy Ghost in the water as he came up and, and began to speak with other tongues. And then Anthony was baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of his sins on Sunday. He received the Holy Ghost in the water. Amen. And uh, so we're very grateful for that. And of course, we have stacks and stacks and stacks of uh, guest cards and follow-up that we're working on and uh, doing our best to, to reach for those people that God has, has blessed us with and put in our path. Amen, somebody. And uh, I want to take just another brief moment tonight to give a great big thank you, first of all, to everybody 
who for weeks in advance before uh, Resurrection Sunday were here spending hours of time just preparing the facility and, and working on different projects. You are enjoying the benefits of somebody's labor tonight that took time out of their life, their time, their talent, and their treasure. I think we ought to give a resounding applause for every person that spent any of their time in this building. Come on. Let's thank God for that tonight. Amen. I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart to this church, uh, this church that has a mind to work. We understand the theology of work in Scripture. Amen. Amen. Work is a fourth dimensional activity that causes uh, what we see in vision to become manifest in the third dimension. Amen. Work is part of mission. You just can't be a church of vision. You have to be a church of mission. Tell your neighbor, we're a just do it church. Come on, tell your other neighbor, the one that's awake, push them and tell them we're a just do it church. And so I want to say thank you. And then I want to uh, give a great big applause and a great big thank you to Sister Lataria Black and Pastor Naeem Hammond who headed up the production of this incredible Resurrection Sunday drama. Would you help me show them some love? Come on, that's it. Amen. Amen. They were the visionaries behind what you experienced on Sunday. And uh, I'm just telling you, what happened here Sunday, uh, it, it is second to none of anything that I've seen presented on Resurrection Sunday anywhere. And uh, it was so powerful. I mean, we had, uh, we've had people from all over the world commenting and reaching out to us and testimony after testimony of God doing it. We, we even had uh, uh, gospel celebrities commenting on our videos and, uh, uh, you, you know, the, the real Holy Ghost. Something about the real thing. Tell your neighbor you can't fake the real thing. And uh, not only them, but uh, all of the cast members uh, who worked so hard memorizing parts and preparing. I think we ought to give them a great big applause tonight. Amen. Amen. And then there were so many support teams that you may have not even realized were working uh, from the tech team that was running uh, different series of lights and lighting and uh, fog machines and all of that sort of thing and uh, to the tech teams that were running our, our LED displays and uh, we had teams that were in charge of, of costumes and uh, stagehands that were scurrying back and forth dozens and dozens and dozens of times changing the sets during rehearsals and then for Sunday. I think we ought to give all of them a great big thank you for helping us <laughs> Didn't they do an amazing job ministering to the community? Amen. Amen. And, uh, and uh, it, it takes work. Amen, somebody. Too many people want the promise without the preparation. And uh, they, they want the blessing without the work that goes with the blessing. But I thank God for a church of doers. Amen. Uh, so I want you to stand with me all over the house tonight. I, as I was preparing for this service tonight, I 
was asking the Lord for direction. And I felt like the Lord uh, very, very specifically spoke to me this afternoon and uh, gave me some direction for tonight. And uh, this is going to be a little bit of teaching, a little bit of preaching, a little bit of a devotion tonight. But right here on a midweek Tuesday night, I believe that God wants to speak to us in this place. Amen, somebody. Did you come ready for the word of the Lord in this house? Go with me to the book of Luke chapter 19. <clears throat> this is where I will direct you to read the word of the Lord with me. I'm just going to read uh, the very first part of this scripture, and then I'm going to let you be seated. Luke chapter 19, verse number 45 and 46 says, And he went into the temple. And began to cast out them that sold therein, and them that bought, saying unto them, It is written, My house is the house of prayer. And for a few moments tonight, I just want to preach, teach, however it comes out, about prayer. Would you one more time put your Bibles down and put your hands together and give God a great big praise all over this sanctuary tonight. Come on, I think we ought to just give God some praise. His presence is in this place tonight. Come on, the Lord wants to speak to us over the next few moments tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. He walks into the temple and says unto them, It is written. This is a direct reference to the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 56 and verse number 7 that says, Even them will I bring to my holy mountain. Now let me stop here for just a few moments tonight to remind you that we serve a God that is omnipresent. He is everywhere at once equally at the same time. The same God that we feel in this building tonight while we're shouting is in Beijing, China right now, working on the hearts and the souls of people. The same God that we feel in this place here tonight is, is working in Russia and he's working in Syria and he's working in Haiti and in Vietnam and in Africa and he's around the world at this very same time. He is not only omnipresent geographically, but he is omnipresent chronologically. At the same time, God is standing in your present God is working in your past. And at the same time he's here in this building right now, he's already gone into your tomorrow. Woo! Somebody ought to be able to shout over that right now because that means it doesn't matter what your past looks like. When you have an encounter with God today, God can reach into your yesterday and turn everything around. Uh, come on. And there's no reason to worry about your tomorrow because he's already there preparing the way. 
Amen. East Resurrection Sunday. It's all right tonight. I'm just going to lay back and take my time. Resurrection Sunday. I begin to think about tomorrow, and, and, and I heard somebody start singing that old song. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Some of y'all don't even know that old song. Because he lives. All fear is gone because I know, I know, I know who holds the future. My life is worth the living just because. He lives. Whoa! He's holding my yesterday and he's in control of my tomorrow because he, he lives. And oftentimes as we consider God is omnipresent, we sometimes lose focus of the fact that he's a right here and a right now God. And out of all of his attributes, communicable and non-communicable attributes, one of his non-communicable attributes is his omnipresence. We cannot compute what that is like because we cannot be everywhere at once equally. We are confined to both space and time which means that we cannot simultaneously be two places at the same time. We cannot simultaneously use our time for multiple things. We, we have to make choices with our time. We have to make decisions concerning our time because our time is a limited resource. And because we have to make decisions with our time, we also have to make decisions with our geography. We cannot be at two places at the same time. And so I have to decide where am I going to be and what am I going to do. And so it is that God, even in his omnipresence, it is evident in scripture that God has always intended for there to be a place. He has always intended for there to be a geographical location, a place called uh, his uh, house. He said uh, my uh, house uh, shall be called the house uh, of prayer. Isaiah 56 and 7 he said and make them uh, joyful uh, in my house uh, of prayer. Uh, I wish somebody in the building tonight would get a fresh revelation uh, that this is uh, the house uh, of God. Uh, can I preach this for just a moment tonight? Uh, this is not just an address uh, on a city map. Uh, this is not just another building uh, on the downtown spectrum. Uh, this is not just another uh, uh, erected edifice uh, of concrete and mortar and drywall uh, and paint. Uh, but when God's people uh, assemble in this house, uh, this becomes uh, the house uh, of God. God, 
Oh, I feel like preaching because uh, we live in a society that wants to marginalize uh, the importance of the church, uh, that wants to marginalize the importance uh, of a geographical place uh, of meeting. As a matter of fact, uh, I believe the enemy did his best uh, to take advantage uh, of recent circumstances uh, to try and obliterate uh, the very existence uh, of the house of God in our country, but I came to serve notice on hell tonight that the church is bigger than it's ever been, that the church is stronger than it's ever been, that we're having our greatest revival that we've ever had. We didn't lose any traction. We gained momentum. Why? Because this is the house of God. Oh, and one of the first revelations, I'm going to get to my sermon in a moment. Uh, One of the first revelations you begin to get uh, when you start walking with God uh, is I've got to meet him at his house. Uh, I've got to get to the house of the Lord. Uh, Whenever those doors are open, uh, it is an appointed time uh, at an appointed place uh, where God's body gathers together. Uh, That cannot be duplicated uh, in my living room. Uh, It can't be duplicated uh, in my prayer closet. Uh, Thank God for my prayer closet. Uh, Thank God for my personal walk with Jesus. Uh, But baby, you cannot duplicate uh, what takes place uh, with the body of Christ uh, in the house of the Lord. Uh, God said, I've got a place uh, and I have a people uh, called my house. Uh, And he didn't just say it was my house, uh, but he defined it uh, and said, my house uh, I'll be called a house of prayer. Oh, it is the primary defining characteristic of the house of God is prayer. I'm about to preach up in this place. Not the house of praise and worship. I don't have to qualify what I'm saying. I obviously believe uh, in praise and worship. The Bible commands us to do it. uh, But it was not the thing that he used uh, to identify his house. uh, Not the house uh, of of certain ministry gatherings uh, and certain departments getting together. No. uh, He said, my house uh, is the house uh, of prayer. Uh, If there's one thing that should define uh, the activities of my house, It should be the activity of prayer. Thank God for good music. Thank God for fellowship. Thank God for Bible study classes. Thank God for good preaching. But baby, there is one thing that rises to a place of supremacy in the house of God. His house is the house of prayer. Ultimately, we understand that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 Corinthians 6 tells us that we are the temples of the Holy Ghost. We understand that. But that does not negate the place and the importance of the house of God. 
we find the disciples right after the birth of the church going to the house of God for prayer. Acts chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. Peter and John could have prayed anywhere they wanted to pray. Oh, I need some Holy Ghost help. Peter and John could have said a prayer at the coffee shop. They could have prayed at a home Bible study. And I think those are all great places to pray. But one of the first activities recorded in Scripture concerning the New Testament church, we find them going into the temple at the hour of prayer. It is the law first mentioned. It sets precedent as the primary activity of the people of God. We are going to go to the house of God and we are going to pray. It sets precedent for the routine of the early church. They went to the house of prayer. I get concerned with apostolics who become enamored with this false ideology that wants to lessen the importance of the place that God has planted us, that wants to marginalize the importance of being faithful to the house of God when the doors are open. Do you not understand that the Bible says we are members of one body? Do you not understand that even your physical body cannot operate without togetherness? That there is an order of connectivity to your body that not only causes it to operate, but it cannot survive disconnected. My body can't do what it's supposed to do if the foot isn't connected to the ankle. My body cannot do what it's supposed to do if the hand decides that it's tired or that it doesn't feel like connecting with the rest of the body. It is not only an impediment to the body, but the member becomes in danger of dying from disconnection. I came to stand in the face of hell uh, to declare tonight uh, that not only is church uh, essential, uh, but church services uh, and the gathering of God's people uh, is a primary characteristic uh, and function uh, of the body of Christ. You cannot be the body of Christ without coming together. The very definition of being is a, is a structure of, of connected uh, uh, organisms and, 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 and 
parts of the body that work together. When you don't have that, uh, you don't have the body. Uh, and when you don't have a body, uh, you don't have life. Uh, you don't have function. Uh, you, you don't have effectiveness. Uh, if there's going to be anything uh, that can legitimately be called a church, uh, there has to be a place. Uh, I said there has to be a place. Uh, and there has to be a people uh, with a revelation uh, that I've got to be there uh, when the doors are open. Uh, hear me, young Christian, uh, and hear me, aged saint of God. Uh, you've got to make a priority in your life uh, of coming to the house of God when the doors are open. Uh, build your life uh, around the body of Christ. Uh, build your life uh, around the connectivity uh, of the house of God. Uh, that's why I won't take a job uh, that wants to keep me from being connected to the church. Uh, I don't care how much they want to pay me. Uh, it's my God that sets the wage. Uh, it's my God that's my provider. Uh, he's Jehovah Jireh. Uh, come on somebody. Uh, if you want me to be at your birthday party uh, please don't schedule it during church time because uh, I'm going to be at the house of God uh, I'll come before uh, I'll show up afterward uh, I'll stay later go early uh, but you've got to understand uh, that when the doors of this house are open uh, I am a part uh, of the body of Christ I just feel like God's got me here for a moment. I know what it's like to be a young man struggling to provide for my family and always looking for a better opportunity, trying to find something that I can, I can do better for my wife and my children. And there were plenty of times where opportunities arose. But you, you understand if you live for God any length of time that not every open door is God opening it. Because the enemy likes to open doors just as well as God does. And there are doors that open to me that if I would have walked through them, I would have had to disconnect. I would have had to lessen and marginalize my connectivity to the body of Christ and the house of God. And it would have marginalized and diminished God's work in my life. And so there were plenty of times that I said, you know what, that extra $5 an hour sounds great to me. But there's no price I could put on being in the house of God. There's no price I can put uh, on my babies watching me week after week uh, be faithful to God. Uh, I'm doing more than earning five extra dollars an hour. Uh, I'm showing my babies uh, what means the most to me uh, is the kingdom of God. Uh, I'm showing my children uh, that what means most to me uh, is the house of God. And I'm standing as a witness today that God never let me down. I said, God never uh, let me. His word declares uh, that no man uh, having sacrificed in this world, uh, in this world, uh, shall not in this world receive uh, a hundred. I wish somebody was reading the Bible with me tonight. Uh, he didn't say, oh, I'll just, if you sacrifice here, I got a golden uh, thing for you on that. No, uh, God said, if you sacrifice here, uh, I'm going to reward you here. Uh, 
for you. I just need about 12 people that aren't afraid to shout and give God the praise because you can't outgive God of your time, of your talent, of your treasure. If you'll take care of God's business, God will take care of your business. If you'll take care of God's house, God will take care of your house. If you'll be faithful to God's house, God will be faithful in your house. Don't build your life chasing opportunities. Don't build your life chasing stuff. One psalmist wrote and said, don't go chasing waterfalls. <laughs> oh, sorry, that's the wrong songbook. <laughs> some of y'all get that later. Some of y'all just never mind. <laughs> Amen. My God, help us. Prayer was the anchor point of the church. It was the daily business of the church. The scripture recognized that they went at the hour of prayer. They had a set aside time that they said, God, I'm dedicating this to you. And you can count on it, God, every single day. This belongs to you. This time frame belongs. I wish I had a church in the building. It was the hour of prayer. It was the hour of prayer. Oh, there's a lot of things we could talk about tonight because the devil will give you every excuse in the world to say you don't have time to pray. But we can start talking about hours because you've got an hour to be on Instagram every day and you've got an hour oh, come on somebody to read your books every day and you've got an hour of this or that. I don't have time to talk about it all. It's not a matter of you not having time. It's a matter of what you have made important in your life. It was, it was the very bedrock and business of the church daily. This afternoon... As I begin to ponder the great things that God has been doing in this house over the past few months, I felt a sweet presence of God come into my office and say, I'm calling the Rock Church to a place of prayer. The next dimension of this revival is going to be birthed in the dimension of prayer. The next dimension of this revival is going to be birthed uh, in a revival of prayer. Oh, is there anybody in the building that feels that witness uh, of the Holy Ghost that's settling over the building uh, <laughs> right now? There are things in prayer that cannot be accomplished in the dimension of the earthly. There are particular doors that you cannot put your hand on to open. 
They are only made available in the depths and dimensions of prayer. There are particular lands and territories of dominion that you cannot access in the dimension of the natural, but you can only visit them through the portal and the dimensions of Holy Ghost prayer. We cannot carry out the work of the Spirit in the arm of the flesh. I believe in hard work. If you don't think I do, just come follow me for a week. I believe in working hard. But Brother Stewart, there's not enough hours in a day that can match when God begins to honor our prayer. You can't put in enough hours of trying and labor and effort uh, that can even come close uh, to when God steps on the scene uh, because of your prayers. Uh, I'm preaching to this church. Uh, Brother Leo, when we get God involved in what we're doing and we implore him through prayer, we can't knock enough doors to create the vortex of revival that God can bring to pass except the Lord build a house. They labor in vain that build it. This isn't so much about what we do as it is about what God wants to do uh, through us. We need God to build this house. Uh, I said we need God uh, to build this house. Uh, we need God to build this revival. Uh, Brother Stewart, we need God to fill those buses. Uh, we need God to fill these pews. Uh, and what God needs uh, is people uh, that have a revelation uh, of the power of prayer. Can I submit to some of us tonight uh, that the reason for some of our frustration in ministry because we are not seeing the results that we anticipate. Because we are trying to turn something in the natural that God is waiting for us to do in the spiritual. And until our physical efforts uh, are matched with intensity uh, of our prayer life, uh, we will cease uh, to be trying uh, and to be, we will continue to be frustrated uh, because we don't see it uh, the way that it has to happen. Uh, but I'm telling you, God showed me in the Holy Ghost uh, that this church uh, is about to lay its hands uh, on some things in the Holy Ghost uh, that when God begins to move, I thought about this week the, the level of preparation, the level of prayer and consecration. Did you know that there were teams of people fasting, chain fasting and praying for days and days and days before Sunday ever happened, believing for God to do something? And when we opened up the doors on Sunday, we couldn't fit the people in the building. 
What if we understood our assignment every week and not just on resurrection weekend? What if we understood the assignment of preparation uh, as a lifestyle uh, and not something we just did to prepare uh, for Resurrection Sunday, uh, but there was a church uh, that a fire began to catch uh, in all of the leaders uh, and in all of the team members uh, and all of the saints of God, uh, a fire of revelation uh, that said, come on, uh, we've got Holy Ghost work to do, uh, and if we'll pray, uh, and if we'll fast, uh, and combine that uh, with the work of our hands. Uh, there is nothing uh, that shall be impossible. Amen. Daniel 6 and 10 says that now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, the decree that prohibited him from his prayer life when he knew the writing was signed, he went into his house. And his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. I love this because Daniel was not just being reactionary in his prayer life. He, he, he wasn't like, okay, there's crisis happening. I better start praying. He had developed a prayer life that was so powerful that when all hell rose up against him, he did as a time. He said, I've already been praying and I can rely on my God. He wasn't waiting on crisis. Come on, somebody. In order for him to start praying, uh, his prayer life uh, was already established. He prayed three times a day. And if you back up, here's what the scripture says about Daniel. Daniel chapter 5 and verse 12 says, As much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding. How many of you want an excellent spirit? How many of you want knowledge? How many of you want understanding? Goes on to say interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences. Listen to this. And dissolving of doubts. Whoa. There was an anointing on Daniel. That when you were around him, all of your doubts just melted away. There was a spirit of faith upon Daniel that if you doubted anything when you got around Daniel you walked away and said my God I can't believe I ever even questioned that my God I can do anything for God. That's the kind of spirit that was resting upon Daniel. Bible says these were found in the same Daniel. Chapter 6, verse number 3 says, Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents. How many of you want that kind of favor in your life? 
eight of you want that kind of favor. I'll pray for the rest of y'all to desire good gifts from God. How many of you would desire that you, that you would have preference above that of the presidents and princes? Why? Because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Let me give you a tip. Some of you who are looking at trying to be promoted and you're frustrated because you don't think anybody recognizes your worth, I wonder what would happen if you'd start praying to God three times a day. <laughs> the revelation is this. The Bible says that promotion doesn't come from the east or the west, uh, but promotion, I wish I had a Bible student in the building, uh, promotion uh, comes from... Uh, Woo. I just need five witnesses. Uh, God will give you jobs uh, that you don't have the education for. God will give you raises uh, that go beyond the level of effort you could have ever put in. I just need 12 people to mix your faith uh, with the word. Uh, when a spirit of promotion, uh, when God lays his hand of promotion on you, uh, ain't no devil in hell. There'll be people more qualified than you uh, that apply for the job. Uh, and the boss will say there was something about you. Uh, I just knew you were the right time preaching to somebody that's in the building. The king thought to put Daniel over the entire realm. Why? There was only one thing special about this man, Daniel. He prayed three times a day. And what he could not achieve through education, and I, I hate that I have to qualify myself but unfortunately, there's naysayers that will run around saying that Bishop doesn't believe in education. I apologize for their misspokenness. I believe in that. I'm in an educational program. But what he could not get through education, he got in the presence of his God. And the wisdom that a university could not give him... Uh, God gave him the understanding. Uh, it, where did he get understanding? I'll tell you where he got it. Uh, it was in those times of prayer. Uh, do you need God to give you understanding? Uh, I can tell you where to find it tonight. Uh, it's on your knees uh, in the presence of all uh, mighty God. Daniel, where did you learn how to interpret dreams? It was on my knees in the presence of God. Daniel, how is it that there's so much faith in your life that even I can't doubt anything? It comes from spending time in the presence of God. I'm preaching to some young men in the building uh, that have ambitions uh, and you want to be successful uh, and you want to have prominence uh, and you want to do something. Uh, can I preach to you? Uh, it doesn't come uh, just by getting your grind on. Uh, it doesn't come uh, just from being a hustler. Uh, it doesn't come in all of those things uh, are good in context. Uh, I'll tell you where real uh, wealth uh, and prosperity uh, and dominion comes from. It comes from spending time in the presence of your king. 
God can promote you like no CEO can promote you. God's got more money than every Fortune 500 company in the world put together. He'll bless you so crazy. It'll be more money than you ever have. Where does it come from? In the presence of God. Don't chase the blessing. Chase the blesser. And you'll get the blessing. I just need 200 people in the building uh, to get radical with me. Uh, don't chase the opportunity. Uh, chase the opportunity giver. Uh, and watch God open every door uh, that he has for you. Uh, don't chase riches. Uh, chase the one uh, that owns the cattle on a thousand hill. Uh, and watch God bless uh, your life. I'm preaching to us individually, but let me apply that corporately tonight. What happens when an entire church understands that? What happens when an entire church body understands? It's not about how many buses we got. And I believe in buses. I think we ought to get as many as we can. We're shopping for three more as we speak. But what if we got the revelation? It's not about how many buses we can buy. It's about spending time in the presence of the king. What if we got the revelation? It's not about how big of a facility that we can buy or build. It's about getting in the presence of the king. When you get in the presence of the king, everything else will chase after you. The blessing will overtake you. When you're not focused on chasing the blessing and you chase the blesser, everything, seek ye first the kingdom of God. I wish I had some Bible readers in the building. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added. I wish I had a believer. Will be added unto you. God said, if you seek me, I'll give you the stuff you didn't ask for. Solomon, ask me for anything you want, and I'll give it to you. He didn't ask for a million dollars, Brother Leo. He didn't ask for fame. He didn't ask for, he said, God, I need your wisdom from above. And God said, because you didn't ask for all the other stuff, I'm going to give you what you asked for and the stuff you didn't ask me for. Daniel 6 and 3, I'm trying to hurry. Is this all right tonight? Daniel 6 and 3 says, Then this Daniel, I'm sorry, chapter 10, verse 11. And he said unto me, This is an angel that has come to Daniel. And he says, Oh, Daniel, a man greatly beloved. What would cause an angel from heaven to look at Daniel and say, Daniel, you're a man that's greatly beloved. Daniel didn't spend his time trying to be beloved by people. 
He spent his time trying to be loved, be beloved by God. What would happen if you spent less time trying to impress people on social media and spent more time trying to impress your God? in your time of prayer. I wonder what kind of favor, the kind of favor that you secretly want from other people, God will give it to you when you find favor with the king. I wish I had some witnesses in the building. When you get on your knees and you spend time with God, your reputation in heaven is Daniel, whom art beloved. How do you come beloved in heaven? By spending time with God every day. I want to talk to us for just a moment about a shift that has to happen from having a prayer life to having a life of prayer. There's a difference. Prayer life is some compartmentalized part of who you are that you put in a box. And it's a check the box activity. It's part of my life, part of what I do. That's a prayer life. But a life of prayer is an entire life that is characterized by prayerfulness. The Bible says walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. What would happen if your prayer no longer becomes relegated and confined just to the prayer closet? And I believe in that. I believe in that. I didn't preach all this just to throw it in the trash. I believe in a time and a place and all of those things. But what if your prayer life begins to turn into a life of prayer? And when you leave your prayer closet, the dialogue between you and God just stays on all day long. And it's like having an earbud in your ear. But instead of being on the phone with your boo all day long, and instead of having podcasts that are blazing in your ear all day long, keeping your mind from thinking about, instead of all that, instead it's like having God right here in your ear all day long. You've got open communion. I just, I'm on a call with Jesus. Oh, hold on a second, Jesus. I got to talk to my boss. What is that, sir? that you needed me. Okay, I'll get it done. All right, God, uh, I'm done with that meeting. God, I want you to know uh, that I love you so much, God. Uh, God, I want you to know. Uh, hold on a second, Lord. I gotta, I'm got i going to answer my phone real quick. Uh, hi, honey. Yeah, I'll stop and get some food. I'll be home uh, in 10 minutes. God, uh, thank you that I got just 20 more minutes uh, on my drive home to spend with you. Uh, God, can I tell you thank you uh, for keeping your head. What happens uh, when a prayer life uh, becomes a life of prayer. This is the dimension that God is calling us to. Where prayer becomes the culture of the church. I thank God we've got good music here. I love, I love good music. Can I just be honest with you? I really can't stand bad music. <laughs> is, that, is that too transparent? 
thank God for that. But more importantly than this church being known as a church that has incredible music, I want us to be known like Daniel. The Rock Church is beloved by God because there are people that spend time with Him. There are people that have lives to prayer. God is calling this church to rearrange our house. How many of you rearrange the furniture in your house sometimes? Three of y'all do. The rest of you just let all the cockroaches build up under the couch and never change a thing. Oh, come on. You know you got some of them German cockroaches in your house. I know you live in Sanibel, but baby, you ain't fooling nobody. I know you live in Bonita Beach, but you ain't fooling nobody. Naples got them too. Come on, somebody. <laughs> in one place, the Apostle Paul, talking to Timothy, said, I, I'm sending you over here to set things in order. Did you know there's an order of things that when you get the order the way God said it to be, God begins to flow and God begins to move in ways that you can't possibly imagine. There's an order to the people of God. As a matter of fact, when you study scripture, I'm trying to hurry. Music, if you want to come and give them a little hope tonight, that'd be fine. When you study scripture, you'll find that when the tabernacle was assembled, scripture tells us that the people pitched their tents with the opening facing the tabernacle. No matter where you built your house, no matter where you put your tent, no matter where your family dwelt, the requirement, the building code of that community was that the opening or the entrance and the exit of where you lived faced the tabernacle. Every time you walked out of your house, it was the first thing that you saw. Life evolved around the business of the house of God. God's calling some of us to re reorient our house so the front door faces the tabernacle again. Come on, some of our households, we got the door in the wrong place now. Come on, somebody, your house uh, doesn't revolve. God's church and his kingdom uh, is no longer the center focus. Uh, it's your career that's the center focus now. And it's, it's your toys and it's uh, your hobbies and it's uh, all of the stuff you know. Uh, God said, if you want my glory uh, to dwell in the midst uh, of my people, uh, then you got to get everybody's uh, front door uh, looking at the tabernacle. Rock Church, that's where God's calling us tonight. God's calling us to reorient our house, reorient our household. Brother Kendrick, God's calling us to set our houses in order, to tell our family, look, I know these things are important, but there's nothing more important than the kingdom of God in our lives. 
God's calling us. We'll do that another time. God's calling us. In front of their house faced the tabernacle. Second Chronicles chapter 7 verse 12 says, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. There's certain prayers that God will hear in the chosen place that he won't hear anywhere else. There's some prayers you've been praying in the wrong place. You got the right prayer and you're praying it in the wrong place. God wants you to take that prayer out of your living room and bring it into the house of God. God said, I've heard your prayer. And God said, I have chosen this place. The God who is omnipresent. The God who can reach you wherever you're at. I can reach you in your house, your car, your job, in your sleep, on the other side of the But I chose a place. Because even though I don't have to choose, I'm going to choose so that now you have to choose. I'm going to choose a place so now you have a choice to make. And you choose to make this place as important as I have or you choose not to. And so Solomon, I've chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. Pray at home. That's awesome. It's important. You need to do it. But there's a place that's got my fingerprint of divine cho chosenness on it. And there are certain administrations that I will do there that I'm not going to do at your house. I'm not going to do it in your car. I'm going to do it when you come to this place. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain or if I command the locust to devour the land or if I send pestilence among my people. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. God said if I bring judgment on the world, if I decide to bring pestilence and drought to the world, uh, there, is, uh, there is a go-between. Uh, there is a mediator uh, for the world uh, called the church. Uh, when the wrath and the trouble of God uh, is dealt to the world, uh, there is a people uh, that are called by my 
name. And God said, if you'll humble yourself and if you'll pray and seek my face, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. The onus of responsibility for the healing of the land is not on the White House. It's on the church house. It's not up to politicians uh, to fix it. Uh, it's up to the church uh, to bring Jesus into it. I pray that you're not more passionate about politics than you are about prayer. Because your political efforts will never, will never change the disposition of God uh, like your prayer will. He said, I'll heal their land. In verse 15, he said, now mine eyes shall be opened. When shall his eyes be opened? When my people pray. When my people humble themselves and pray. At the moment that my people pray, God said, I'll open my eyes and my ears will be attent unto the prayer that is made in this place. God said, there's prayers you've been praying. My eyes have been closed. My ears have not been listening. But the moment you begin to pray that prayer in here, I open my eyes and I open my ears. Is anybody getting what I'm preaching God's calling us to spend more time in this house in prayer. God is calling this church to start making more time every day of your life to come to 940 Tarpon Street. Gonna let that sit there for a moment. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? He said it's the place of sacrifice. That's what it means. It means you're gonna have to sacrifice some of your time. It means you're going to have to make some choices where God is saying, I've chosen this place. And if you'll meet me here, I'll open my eyes. And if you'll meet me here, I'll open my ears. And if you'll meet me here, I'm going to lead you into some places that there's no other way to get there through prayer than to do it from this geographical location. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house. God never let us forget
that this place right here, I want you to reach your hand down and touch the pew that you're sitting on. I want you to be conscious right now of your feet resting on the floors of this sanctuary. God, don't let us ever lose sight of the fact that where my hands are touching and where my feet are touching has been sanctified by God. He said that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. I want to find the heart of God. I can tell you where to find it. Right here in his house. I want to find the mind of God. I can tell you where to find it. Right here in his house. I need favor, God. I can tell you where to find it. Right here in his house. There's something different that happens when you come to this place to pray. Thursday nights is not enough. We were shouting over, over the song service, but I wonder if there's anybody that would shout over this. Thursday night is not enough. That's more powerful than any lyric we sang tonight in any song. That statement is more powerful than any exhortation that anybody gave during the song. Thursday night is compounded because it's when we all come together to pray. There's a synergy of prayer on Thursday nights that we can't even accomplish by ourselves in this house. God said, my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. Mine eyes, that's interesting. You want God to see you? Come and get in the window of visibility. I just don't feel like God sees where I am. If you'll come to the house of God, he's here and he'll see you. My eyes and my, my heart will perpetually be. You know what that means? Perpetually, my eyes are never coming off. Every time you walk in this place, my eyes are open and I see you. I see you. I see you. And when I see you, my heart is there. I want us to stand all over this place tonight. Joel chapter 2 verse 17. God commands the leaders. If you're a leader in this church, you ought to be an example of prayer to the people of God. Thank you for the two amens I got from leaders in this house. If you're a leader in this church, you ought to be an example of prayer to the people of this church. I'm just going to say this tonight. If you're a leader in this church, God's people ought to see you in prayer meetings. And they shouldn't see you sitting on your cell phone during prayer service.
And they shouldn't see you sitting there with your head buried like a Catholic at a rosary service. If you're going to lead, the most important thing you can lead in is prayer. Joel 2 and 17, he said, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, let them weep between the porch and the altar. Where's the porch? Where's the porch? Where's the porch of your house? Outside of the front door. Where's the altar? Where's the altar in this church? It's right here. The porch and the altar. He said, let them weep in between. That means there ought to be a whole lot of leaders in this house shedding tears in prayer. All in this sanctuary. Listen to this. And let them say. God said, I want my leaders to get into the house of God. And I want them to weep. And here's what I want them to say. Spare thy people, O Lord. And give not thine heritage to reproach. That the heathen should rule over them. God, take care of your people. And don't let your people be reproached in society so that heathens have rule over them. They're the head and they're not the tail, God. Your people are above and they're not beneath. God said, I want my leaders. Can I translate? I want my leaders to pray for the people of God. You cannot lead who you do not pray for. I said you cannot lead who you do not spend time praying for. I know he prays. I'm just using examples. But children's pastor and pastor's wife. You can't lead children that you're not praying for. College and career pastor, you can't lead them when you're not praying for them. Sunday school bus director, how are you going to get them on the bus if you're not praying for them? He said... Wherefore should they say among the people, where is their God? I'm closing tonight. Prayer converts the mortar and the brick and the lumber and the drywall into a sanctuary. Without prayer in this building, it is no different than the post office. It's nothing more than wood bricks and paint without prayer in it this edifice has no more significance than a Home Depot 
with its air conditioning and paved parking lots. But when we begin to pray, all of that is converted into the house of God. When prayer is in this place, a church with prayer in it is a church that has God in it. I want us to come all over this house. I know this is a Tuesday night, but I feel God calling us to prayer in this place. Come on, every saint of God. Every saint of God. Come on, I want you to move as a sign of your response to the word of the Lord in this house tonight. Don't, don't stand wherever you're standing. Move toward the front of this house. I want us to come tonight, and I want us to begin to respond to the word of God in this place. God is calling this house to prayer. God is calling this house. I'll preach it on another service, but there is a sound to prayer. Prayer is not us hanging our heads in silence. That is called meditation or it is called falling asleep. Prayer is communicating. God created you with a mouth and a language and a voice and he called, He created you to use it to communicate. The same way you communicate with people is the same way you communicate with God. Somebody in this building begin to lift up voice. Come on, somebody begin to lift up your voice and talk to God in this sanctuary. Come on, has it been so long since you've prayed that you don't even know what to say? Has it been so long since you prayed that you're not even sure? Come on, lift your hands, lift up your voice and begin to talk to God. Come on, I need you tonight, Jesus. I need you tonight, Jesus. God, I'm coming in your house. Come on, young lady. Don't just stand there looking around. Come on, young man. Don't just stand there looking around. Come on, I'm talking to some husbands in the building right now. Your wife and your babies are depending on a daddy that knows how to pray. I'm talking to some mamas right now. Your babies are depending on a mom. More than you providing a house, more than you putting diapers on them, more than you paying for their education, your babies need a mom and a daddy that know how to pray. Come on, church. Come on, church. God is calling us tonight. Come on, Rock Church. God is calling us tonight. Come on, my house shall be called the house of prayer. Come on, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Come on, come on, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, come on, pray. Come on, pray. Come on, pray. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Come on, God's calling us back to prayer. God's calling us back to prayer. God's calling us into his house. 
Come on, he's calling us into his house to pray. Come on, every household, every household in the building, it's time to pray. Come on, every household in the building, it's time to pray. It's time to pray. Come on. Maybe you're streaming online tonight and you're watching this service. God's calling you to pray right where you're sitting, right where you're standing. God's calling you to pray and he's calling you back into the house of God. He's calling you back into the place. Come on. Come on, somebody. God's eyes are open in this place tonight. God's ears are open in this place tonight. Come on. Come on. You're in the right place to pray that prayer. You're in the right place to pray that prayer tonight. Come on. Pray. Pray that prayer. Pray that prayer. God, God, I'm going to chase you. God, I'm going to chase after you. Come on. In the name. pray in his house somebody pray in his house Somebody, uh, 
that tonight God is looking that tonight God is listening to your prayer come on pray 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 Come on, come on. He's here in this place. He's here in this place. 